It is time for another Amateurs Fantasy Sports Podcast. Hello and welcome to the NRL Fantasy Amateurs first episode 2022. Ryan, mate, we're uh, we're fresh off New Year's and we're back, we're ready and rocking and and uh, it's almost two months until till kickoff. So, uh, mate, uh, obviously we've got to build up momentum slowly. But I mean, how excited are you? Oh, mate, new year, new me, and uh, I'm you know I'm ready to jump in, win some uh, fantasy games this year, and uh, hopefully not mess up as terribly as we did when missing out on Cleary <laughs> last year. But we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Oh, mate, we've got a bit of form. So we're in. Uh, you know, we're obviously Ryan. You beat me in our uh, American football fantasy championship today. So um, the amateurs you know, bowl, obviously, uh, yeah, the amateur bowl. Yeah, it was uh, good. We got a couple of other boys in our fantasy uh, in the NRL group that are that are in that league as well. So um, yeah, no, it was a toughly fought season. Obviously, you got the bickies at the end, but uh, mate, we're 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 in winning form. You know, you know, you, you had a couple of bits of success in the NFL, so hopefully, we can carry it across to the NRL. Let's keep it going. Yeah, mate. Uh, so first up, what we're going to do is we're going to go through our team-by-team team looks at, uh, I guess, how teams stand as it is now. So obviously, uh, we've got our website up at www.amateursfantasysports.com backslash NRL. Uh, well, we've done our predicted team list and also obviously the NRL are publishing their predicted team list and their analysis on the uh on their, from their side. So, mate, I reckon what we do is we have a look at what we've got, what they've got, compare notes and uh, and sort of kick around the uh, the fantasy-relevant options. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. Let's dive in. Great. All right, mate. So, first up, what we've got here is the Brisbane Broncos, uh, just like the NRL prioritises them and gives them the Friday night games all the time. <laughs> We're prioritising them, but for no other reason than they come first alphabetically. So, Brisbane Broncos, mate, uh, so the key differences here, I guess we've got, uh, well, I, I guess at first, so I will just run through, through 1 to 17, I guess maybe. So fullback, we both seem to think it's going to be Tessie New at fullback. Um, now, he was an interesting one for us. Um, so you've actually got here in your fantasy outlook that we did before we got all the pricing and that sort of stuff. Um, if he was to ret- retain the dual centre position, which he has, uh, he would be an interesting look at. But obviously now we've had our our scoring changes and uh, I mean Tessie did have some some tackle busts in his in his uh scores to get him into the forties, which would have made him a keeper center, which he now has dropped below that forty mark. So uh obviously no more interest in Tessie at the uh the current pricing and, and scoring. No, yeah, unfortunately with the uh, the tackle bus reduction he's he's one to probably steer clear of now, unfortunately. Yeah. So moving along here, so the wingers here, we've got Corey Oates and Selwyn Cobbo on the wings here. And now they've got Corey Oates and Jermaine Asako. Um, now, I was sort of saying to you off air, I'm pretty sure that they're going to want to have Cobbo in the 17 somewhere. Um, mm. But I don't I don't necessarily think it's going to be at the expense of Asako. So I'm, I've am i been flip-flopping this offseason on Corey Oates or Asako instead of Cobbo or Asako. Is that sort of where you're at? or Yeah, I, I, I tend to lean towards it's 
between Isako and Oates for that final wing spot. Um, mm-hmm. you know, given that, you've got to keep in mind as well, like Isako's been in and out of the 17 now for a couple of years. Like he's never really cemented that spot um, past his rookie of the year season. And he's already signed with uh, Redcliffe um, in the coming, in uh, what, for 2023. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no long-term future there. So maybe Kevy doesn't yeah. uh, see the investment. Yeah, no, I think he's going to be there uh 18th man or 19th man pretty consistently this year. Uh, that's mm, the way plus, I see it. But Yeah, well, plus plus with um, you know Adam Reynolds there now as well, you don't need to rely on his goal kicking. So like that's another big yeah. point in his column going. Well, that's the thing is you've got Gamble there who can kick goals, also Staggs can kick goals, and Herbie can kick goals as well. So hmm. literally no need for him there. It, it might it may be as simple as them deciding whether Cobo's better on the left or the right, and then because obviously Oates is a left winger and Asako is a right winger, so it might just be whichever one he feels more comfortable. The other guy might get the Guernsey, but f- fantasy wise, it actually doesn't make any difference to us because we're not picking any of those three, being Asako, Cobo, or Oates, are uh, all sort of about about the right money for the for the value, and and I guess it's a similar story where we're identical on um, compared to NRL.com with the uh, Stags, Herbie Farmworth centre pairing. Um, I was kind of hoping Stags might get a little bit of a discount because uh, he only played a couple of games, but he's uh, he's basically full full freight here, 14, 48 break even, off an average of 48.3 in the four games he played last year. Yeah, that's, that's a disappointing one. I, I don't think you can touch him to start the year. Yeah, no. There's so many options in the centres here this year. I think it's, that's a an easy steer clear. So we might just jump down to the halves where obviously Adam Reynolds is going to take up one spot. He was an interesting one for me, uh, depending on who his halves partner was before the nerf to the kick metres, but I think we can just let him go through to the keeper now. Um, but the other halves spot is another point of difference. We have, uh, we have Tyson Gamble listed. They have Albert Kelly listed. But, mate, uh, Kevy seems the sort of guy that wouldn't be too worried about getting called out for nepotism. Mm. Is there any chance that it's Billy Walters in the sixth jersey? I mean, you have to consider there to be some chance, I suppose, with the reports that he's been training there. I I, I just think from a talent perspective, he's the clear third here. But, um, look, we'll see. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me to, to see him get the first crack. Um, you know, I'm mm. sure trials are going to be a, play a big part of this if, if – uh, if it's just pure talent, I think it's a coin flip between Kelly and Gamble. But yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Kevy wanted Billy there. They, they wanted him there last year. So yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me to see him get a run. Yeah, they went and specifically tried to get him. And Gamble and Kelly, neither of them really cemented a spot as such. So, I mean, it could be anyone. And then obviously, we've also got a dark horse here in the halves. And I don't think he's anywhere near the team in, in week one. But Ezra Mann, put him in your black book. Uh, he's a uh, half 220k. He's just an absolute weapon, uh, you know, fresh kind of 18 uh, player. I think, yeah, he's uh, he's got some pretty serious wraps on him, but obviously not going to be anywhere near the team in week one. Now, the forward pack is where it starts to get interesting at the Broncos from a fantasy perspective. So in the back row spots, uh, we've got obviously Kurt Catewell, brand new addition to the club, and Jordan Rickey. Uh, and I think that's kind of, you know, unless there's something weird happens there, that'll be the, the lineup. Um, now, Ryan, you had a bit of a look at Jordan Ricky. I think uh, at a 46 break even, he probably, I'd go so far as to say he's maybe not fantasy relevant unless he shows us something crazy. 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree. He's probably been priced out of a round one buy. Like he certainly got, like he certainly showed flashes of potential um, last year, and you know he, he's certainly got that sort of type of frame and that um, you know that tackle busting offloading ability. But yeah, yeah, I just I just don't think he's one you can take a risk on for round one, just given his price point. But um, he could certainly be. He certainly got the potential to be a keeper of the future. I think. Yeah, I think the big thing here is as well, and it's something that's kind of annoyed me with a couple of these, is his average last year was 44.4, and he got a, a, a you know a, a, a nerf with the tackle busts, but now his break even's 46. Yeah, they've just done a couple odd. of ones like this where it sort of doesn't really make a lot of sense. And like if his break even was 40, you might you might have a look at him, but at 46, you can just let him go straight through to the keeper. But the other guy here, Kurt Catewell, brand new addition to the team obviously prior to landing at the Panthers he was a a guy who you would look at as a, a might scrape a 40 average if he made a, an extended back row spot um, due to the the tackle miss tackles and and that sort of stuff and the the likelihood of being moved out into the centers or on the wing even at the sharks but um you know he really cemented himself uh, as a really good player in in the Panthers back row. And obviously we started with him last year and, you know, I was recommending him and he went really good and then poor. And then uh, everyone was kind of laughing at me and I sold him and then he came good and and ended up sort of, what did he average last year? 40.4, which is something that you don't want being in that, you know, three-way back back row timeshare with Kikau and Liam Martin. But I mean, he's a, he's basically a lock here for 80 minutes. Um, but I haven't had him in my team in most of the early versions that I've done, mostly because I think there's a couple more guys in a similar price bracket but cheaper who should average the same. What's your sort of thoughts on Capewell for this year? Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of uh, steering towards the sort of stay away. Like I've always had this um, somewhat of a bias against Capewell uh, since that year where, you know, he was a dual centre and everyone owned him when he was playing in the second row and, um, yeah, he just racked up a stack of missed tackles because, you know, we had the same conversation last year where, you know, you were really keen on him and I was sort of like, uh, he's, you know, he's just not my type of player. Um, no doubt he's improved um, since he went to the Panthers, but, I mean, you'd expect that. Like, um, you know, everyone in that Panthers side sort of improves a little bit when you're surrounded by that much quality and class. Um, but, yeah, I tend to agree with your um, evaluation to this year. Like, I, I just see guys like, say, like a Wade Graham, who's um, or his break-even's about five points lower. Um, and, yeah. and I think he could theoretically average the same, if not, you know, very likely average the same. Yeah, he's 50K less, Wade Graham. And, you know, you go another step down to Elias Katoa, who's 90K less and probably yeah. going to be the same in that high 40s you know, mid to high 40s is where I sort of see Kate well. So he's definitely got value. And, you know, if you felt a lot more comfortable with him than you did with Wade Graham, and, you know, you can make, and obviously we'll get to these guys, but you can make an argument against both of those players being Katoa and Ray, Raymond Fitala Mariner and Wade Graham. You can, I could I could sit here right now and argue the other side of that. No worries. And we'll do that when we get to those players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, he's, he's kind of, he went from being somebody that I was definitely going to, take but he you know he's lost about 2.5 points uh in the tackle busting stakes um but yeah no he's probably through the 
you know, just, like if I had, if I had some extra cash, I'd probably like luxury spend it on him. But, you know, obviously there's a couple of other guys who I'm, I'm really sort of spending some money on this year at the moment. So, um, including, <laughs> including our boy, which we'll get to when we, when we cover that team. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think you can probably save some money and, and spend it better elsewhere is, is the thing on Kate Moss. So, mate, uh, at lock, we've got Kobe Heathering down, down here at lock with Haas and Pat Harrigan filling, filling out the forward pack, uh, whereas uh, Broncos, they on the website, they've got Carrigan at lock instead with Haas and Flegler at prop. Um, so essentially what that means is we've got Flegler on the bench and they've got him starting with Hetherington on the bench is, is basically the, the gist of it. But they're running with Hetherington as the utility, uh, mm. whereas we've sort of not really gone that way. We've got Hetherington playing a genuine forward role and that utility role at the moment going to Billy Walters. So you have to imagine, and this is just, you know, and, and you can tell me if you think I'm – being silly here but like you know we saw Hetherington last year play pretty well in that lock role and the way the NRL is going at the moment you got your Radley Cameron Murray etc etc Connor Watson you know when we know like Hetherington obviously talent wise isn't with those guys but you know frame wise play style wise that's the type of guy he is and and all reports out of training is he's an act you know he's one of those uh guys at training that that really sort of lifts everybody up which you know Kevy is you know he's the sort of guy that values something like that. And, and Flegler seems to do his best work just sort of carding the ball up off the bench. Uh, what's your thoughts around the Flegler Hetherington scenario? Yeah. I mean, well, look, Flegler had ample opportunity last year and he never really blocked down that role. Like he was always, you know, he got rotated in and out of the side a little bit. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he wasn't playing that greater football um and no. i think and i think kobe heatherton really suits this sort of uh like as a lock sort of suits this modern game like we're seeing a lot of teams mm-hmm. now go to this um you know sort of smaller roving lock um you know like ruben cotter comes to mind like these guys that are like part-time hookers that can you know play lock as well um and i think like just the with billy walters on the bench as a utility just really works a lot better like given that he's actually yeah. played um, you know, quite like a bit of hooker in the past couple of seasons yeah. for the Tigers um, versus like... But he's Ellis also Kelly. played in the halves. You know, you could whack him mm. out in the centres if you have to. Whereas, you know, like if you... if you know, And you just look at team composition, right? You know, like mm. you got Hetherington there at lock. But let's say you're playing him in the utility role, roll an extra forward out there, and then Adam Reynolds goes down and you got, you know, you got to shift, you know, Hetherington or Jake Turpin into the halves, which I guess he can do, but he's kind of their hooker now. Yeah, so I, 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 yeah, and you, you're 100 percent right. Is the NRL's move towards this lock hooker hybrid guy that allows you to have a, you know, Naheem Hines on the bench or whatever. Like, so mm. their version of Naheem Hines is Billy Walters, which is you know, is the, the Broncos <laughs> version of that, which is is a scathing indictment of their. But you know, this Broncos team's actually not too bad, and we've got them making the top eight this year. So, mm. I mean, obviously, uh, TC Rabadi, Ryan James on the bench and Flegler is actually going to be out the first three games. So Keenan Palsy is probably going to come in there. So, you know, obviously ultimately fantasy relevant wise, uh, Carrigan with the 47 break, even not going anywhere near him, Turpin 48 break, even not going anywhere near him, but Payne Haas is the, is the other one. And I mean, Hetherington has some merit there, but it's probably only five points of value and the price points a bit sucky. Like you got guys, 
in the, in and around that price, like Nanai and and um, Sean Bloor, who are much sort of better value. But Payne Haas, Ryan, mm. he um, he kind of had a bit of a I would call a down year, uh, but he still managed average in the sixties in terms of you know fantasy. But I mean, what's I mean, our projection on his role is 60 to 65 minutes, and he can pinch more than that, but I don't think they want him playing more than that. Um, But one thing that Lordy brought up on our podcast last year, um, that's Stuart Lord for everyone in the Facebook group here, is um, he seems to be making less tackles in 2021 than in the past years, and that seems to actually fit. So in 2021, he but he only played... 60.5 60.5 minutes on average uh, and made 33 and a half tackles. And then, you know, in 2020, he made played 69 minutes and made 42 and a half tackles. So what's that? Um, nine tackles in nine minutes, which seems like a lot. Like he's and his normal rate. So it's, 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 he's normally doing two, one every two minutes, whereas there's an extra nine in nine minutes. So there is, there is a definite difference there, but there's also that nine minutes less that he played in 2021. So what are your thoughts on Haas? Yeah, he's one of those ones, I guess, um, you know, like he's a the crown jewel of uh, fantasy mids, I suppose. Um, he's like a lot of these guys, like uh, as we were looking at um, your projections earlier, uh, a lot of these really expensive stud keeper guys, they've all taken a real hit to, um, you know, their, their overall scoring. It's only, you know, a, c- a couple of points. Um mm. Well, for some, depending on you know the position, um, for Haas, like he, well, I think his drop off was about four points in reduction. Um, I think he yeah, had it something up. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, look, if you want to go that route, um, you know, save 200, 200 odd thousand instead of getting like a turbo cleary and have him as a captain. Um, I don't mind it. I, I just don't see a whole lot of value there. He's definitely. Uh, I can't imagine him not being an end team keeper again, but. Mm. Um, it's just not a whole lot of value there if that's what you're chasing around one. Um, if you just yeah. want a captaincy, you know, a plug-and-play captain option, then, you know, he's perfect for that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, he's kind of in an awkward price as well. Like, he's kind of, you know, he's, he's – I, I just don't know. Like, if particularly if you're gunning up to, to one of the top two or three guys, you can't then also fit him in. But mid's such a hard position this year. So, I mean, you know – I'm not. I'm, I haven't had any drafts in my team with Haas in there just for the the value, as you sort of spoke about. But you know, I can see why. You know, because there's a lot of halves and a lot of you know wing fullbacks. You might go, oh, well, you know, if I'm going to get my set, I'll kill two birds with one stone. Gun up in the mids and also get, you know, a, a captaincy option. So, I mean, the, but the problem is here. Even like you know, you look at Haas. Uh, his projection is low sixties and Cleary's low eighties. So you start you're paying 200k less, but you're getting 40 less points a week mm. from your captain. You know, yeah, like a good it's point. it's a big nerf to take. You know, so it's um yeah, it's one to have a look at. Obviously, if Cleary doesn't play one round one, that completely changes the entire dynamic of it. But something to uh something to have a, a bow peep at and moving forward. But I think that's about does us for the Broncos. We don't want to get stuck into any of the bench guys. There's not really anybody that interests us from a, like, you know, a, a cash cow perspective at the moment. Uh, obviously the good one would be if we were to get a, 
you know, Billy Walters in the halves or uh, even like, I mean, Jordan Pereira has had some decent sort of wing fullback scores in the past, but I mean, everyone else is pretty, you know, not really in the, in the right, right price. So maybe just pencil Ezra Mam down in case anything completely goes disastrous for the Broncos injury wise this year. But other than that, it's cash cows pretty bleak there. So we might move over to Canberra Raiders who present some more interest for me. Uh, guys, there's a lot of guys who you could look at. Uh, and I mean, in the back line here, uh, number one, we've got Chance Nickel Clock start who's uh, listed here as the fullback. But I mean, there is, I mean, there's, there's some, some, they've got possible best 17 as Xavier Savage here uh, as their number one, which I think uh, I was, in our Facebook group, we got uh, Matt there who was talking about how Savage has had off-season shoulder surgery and he kind of hasn't really trained with the team yet. So, I mean, Sticky's never been one for uh, changing a winning formula and Chance has been really good for a couple of years now, Ryan. Can you see any way that round one it's Savage on the wing, on the on the fullback, I mean? Oh, look, uh, I, look there is a scenario you could certainly paint. Um, uh, in in a world where say they're they're both healthy, I think it would take Savage just having an absolute blister in preseason and looking amazing in the uh, in the trials. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 t- I tend to lean towards it's going to be CNK starting there round one, and you know there might if he plays poorly um, through the opening, you know up to up to Origin for example, then yeah, then then he you know he's going to get some pressure on him and Savage could take over then. But yeah, I, I just have a hard time seeing it for the first at least month of the season. Um, being anyone other than Chance. Yeah, so obviously Savage would have to give him the Dane Laurie treatment. Mm. You know, like what Dane Laurie did to Moses Zimbai last year. That would have to that would have to happen. So Exactly. I mean, uh, yeah, so uh, but coming to Chance, who we've got is our fullback here. Uh he's an interesting one. So 437k, 35 break even, average 35 last year, but there was some obviously some injury impacted scores there, but he's 20 20 and 2021 fullback average is 43.1, which is about eight points of value. Uh, and then having a look at his uh, impacts in terms of the the scoring, he's actually not not impacted at all, uh, really, or only very minorly impacted. So, I mean, do you have any interest in Nickel Clock start or, I mean, it's a, is that looming threat of Savage too much to to, to risk? Or I mean, no, I, no, I don't think so. Um, because like, if you're buying him, you're you're not buying him as a keeper. You're buying him because he's going to make money. He's, he represents, you know, roughly eight points of value. Um, so you, you're only going to need him to hold that spot for say the first six weeks of the season, which I think is entirely realistic. So I, I don't think that's something that's um, really going to bother me too much as long as he's got that spot round one and, you know, he looks comfortable in that spot. Um, you know, cause we, we, he's been a cash cow in the past. I think what 2019 was his breakout year. He was a, yep. you know, a pretty good fullback. Um, you know, and he just ran into some injury last year. So I, I don't think that would scare me off too much. He's definitely one to consider. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, team composition. Cause there's a lot of good wing fullback options out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, he's one I've kind of had in and out a little bit, but I'm kind of leaning more towards the out at the moment. Uh, but he's he's certainly one you could plug in. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on was because we were sort of talking about eight and ten used to be our milestone that we used to stick to. But mate, with the options like being so limited this year, and you know the changes to scoring and so many players more projected to be you know their break evens are higher than their projections. We sort of 
I, I, we sort of spoke about this privately earlier that we're, we're adjusting our uh, minimum limit down to like a seven, eight instead of a 10. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like to, you know, begin the year, you're going to be looking for um, guys that are going to be, you know, mostly holding their value or making slight increases because it seems like a lot of people are going to be going backwards. Um, I guess, you know, with the lowered salary cap um, to begin this year, what it was like 9.4, um, mm. uh, I'm assuming they've tailored the game that way to have people become cheaper. So by the time we're looking to buy keepers in, um, you know, say two months' time, you know, two, two months into the season, they'll they'll actually be affordable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, and th- and that's the thing is, I think this is is kind of pushing. It's it's kind of awkwardly. It's pushing towards some weird names, but also at the same time, a lot of similarly looking teams. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. I just wanted to bring it up. So um, uh, wingers are identical for us in the NRL.com teams, which is Rapana and uh, Chotrich. Uh, obviously, Chotrich comes back so back over from the Bulldogs, getting out of his contract early. Simmonson ships off to the Eels. And um, obviously, Rapana is way too expensive. Spent a fair bit of time at fullback, and a couple of overpriced. And I actually haven't even bothered to project him and how, how he's impacted by the tackle bus, but I assume it's a lot. Um, but Chotris is another one, obviously, 30 break-even, 369K, meeting a price point similar to his in-year coats, Stephen Crichton, Isaac Targo sort of price bracket. has the dual um, 30 break-even, obviously coming off an injury-impacted season where he started really fast last year. Uh, but I was doing some looking, and he's 2017, 18, and 20, um, so ignoring 19 and 21. It's 21 at the Bulldogs, and I think... Uh, I don't know why. I was just having a look. Is nineteen was another down year, but those three years together, his average was thirty seven point eight. So, I mean, there is a, a perception of value there, but at the same time, his reliance on tackle bus is just—it's just way too high. And mm. I don't think he's the sort of guy that offloads to the hand a lot either. He's—he's—he'd <laughs> uh, he's, be a prime candidate for a, a drop out the back and. I, I did his projection and then I'm pretty sure I deleted it because it was nowhere near enough. Um, but I'm sort of bringing it up because we've had a couple of people. Oh, no, he's right here. It's 35. Yeah, so 4.8 tackle bus a game is is a lot to be to be losing. Um, mm. So I got him at 35 and I think that might be a bit optimistic. Yeah, you, for him to really come into buy consideration, you'd have to be really hoping that um, you're gonna he's gonna see a real uptick in tries. Like after you you know playing mm. for one of the worst attacking teams ever last year in the Bulldogs, um, there wasn't much to go around for him. You'd have to hope that you know the Raiders are going to bounce back to form, and you know he's going to be scoring a lot of tries for him to really come into consideration as a buy. I think. Yeah, the funny thing <laughs> is he's not actually a particularly notable try scorer. So I think he was at forty percent. Oh, 20% try scoring rate. Okay, that was really bad. All right. Well, yeah, 20% last year, uh, but he's up to 60% uh, the year before. 20% in 2019 again, though, 50%. So he's not a a sort of a noted try scorer. I've got him projected at about 50% try scoring rate uh, to get to that 35. So even then, I'm not 100% sure. For some reason, I thought he ran for more meters than what he does. Um, he's only like 120 meters a game type of thing. Like it's not. Well, for some reason, mm. I thought it would have been way more than that. Like he seems, strikes me as a 150, 160 meter guy, but it just yeah, for whatever reason, it's not getting there. It's a lot of sideways running, I think. 
Yeah. Yep. You know, you always see him carrying the ball and you're like, oh, he's going off again, but he's actually only made like three meters. <laughs> yeah, he's run sideways for about uh, yeah. 250 a game. He's doing Tedesco numbers across the field. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So moving into the centers. So they've got uh, Nickel Cook start in the centers along with Jared Croker, where we've actually got Matt Tomoko there at the moment. Um, so Croker, obviously, fantasy gun of the past, career center average of 38.2, negligibly impacted by the new changes to the rules. But last year, average 22.7, 23 break even, under 300K. Uh, Ryan, you would have to have absolutely monstrous balls to go anywhere near Jared Croker and back him to make a comeback, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd have to hope he's on the Tom Brady diet or something that he finds the fountain <laughs> of youth. Um, because, yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's just um, the demise of Jared Croker has been one of the things to just absolutely with, um, you know, behold in the in the recent years. Like his center average has just dropped off a cliff because, you know, like I remember – um, my first year playing fantasy in 2016, he was one of the, the absolute gun centers. He averaged 47 and a half in 2016, which just, yeah, it's crazy. The uh, the drop off about a, what a 25 point drop off in in five years. Yeah, and well, you know, he even as late as 2019, he was still in the mid 30s. But the move of Jack White into left half next to Croker just absolutely destroyed his value because obviously, as we know, White doesn't like to let go of the ball, so. But I think he was on the way before that, so I'm partially blaming his knee and partially blaming Whiten. But, I mean, the logical thing here for the Raiders in terms of what's best for their team would be Croker uh, riding off into the sunset and Nickel Cook starts going into centre, that centre spot, and Savage at, at fullback. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. And, and when we get our special guest on in a couple of episodes' time, we might have to ask him about that... Uh, that knee, what do you think? Yeah, a little teaser there. <laughs> yep. Stay tuned. You'll have to be listening to everyone. Uh, yeah, obviously Tomoko is another one who's really interesting. Um, I've got him listed as a 46 break even, but it's actually 36. Um, so he's actually an interesting one for me. I've had him kind of in and out of my team as well. Uh, kind of a, more of a price point-based option for from the rest of your team configuration wise but i mean he was really quite good last year a career center average in the mid 40s or low to mid 40s at 43 only loses about one point per game with the new scoring 445k any uh interest in tomoko at all um again i there is some interest but i I just think he's in that sort of awkward spot where like Mm. i either want to be going down um to you know, like someone like, say, Stephen Crichton or going up to, you know, a genuine, a guy that could be a genuine gun, like, say, Matt Burton. Like, he's, like, right in that in-between space where I'm, yeah. I'm not too sure that I, I want to be getting a guy in that in that zone. No, and, I mean, even if you were going to go for somebody in that price range, it reminds you can me spend of, an extra... Uh, oh, sorry. You go. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, his price point, it reminds me of Brian Kelly last year. Remember when, like, a lot of people yes. were, like, on, on the fence of, like, is this guy going to be a keeper? Can he make the jump or not? Um, it it yep. reminds me of that yep. situation last year. Yeah, well, I mean, for an extra 25K, you can go to Hamiso as well, who's who's given you a 50 average at fullback last year. So, mm. yeah, so that, I mean, and, that, and he's got the jewel. So, if you, I mean, if you were shopping around in that price point, that might be the way to go. But, yeah, we'll, um, yeah, we'll get to him, obviously, as well. So, but yeah, so Tomoko, probably giving him a miss. Um, obviously, staying away from the halves, Jack Whiten, poor um, Jamal Fogarty, 
He's copping a, you know, assuming that there's that Croker is in the team, he's not going to be goal kicking and he's going to get a huge nerf to his kick meters scoring and then again playing next to Whiten instead of playing next to these other guys. Obviously, Whiten does a lot of the hoofing it downfield. Um, Fogarty has the, the biggest gap between his break-even and projection that I've done this year uh, from the from the sort of the, the gun part. So mm. I've got him, um, yeah, I've got him at 47.7 average this year. So... Uh, and he averaged fifty. He averaged sixty point nine in the games that he played the full games last year. So, yeah, it's a shame. thirteen point thirteen point nerve, nerve poor bastard. But yeah, <laughs> obviously, if uh, you know if something happened, and and um, you know, I mean, if he picked up the goal kicking, uh, in an ideal scenario, the the way this Raiders team goes is they start out as we've predicted. They drop a bunch. Fogarty drops a bunch of money. Then Croker gets medically, re- medically retired halfway through the year. Savage comes in when we're all looking for a cash out money maker at 350k. Fogarty picks up the goal kicking, and we all ride off into the sunset. That would be my <laughs> sort of way of how this will all Fairy goes. And naturally, that's that's the opposite of what's going to happen, but that would be that would be the way it would work for us the best. So, um, moving into the back row, obviously Elliot Whitehead's going to be in one spot, uh, but the other one. Um, he's probably a two-way battle between Harawira Naira and Hudson Young. Now, they've got Hudson Young and Adam Elliott listed with Elliott Whitehead at lock, which obviously is, is not going to be the case. That would be that, – that looks like a team that somebody's done that goes, this would be the best team, and I agree with that, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. So, I mean, is there any chance – it's anyone outside of Hudson Young and Corey Harrod and I are on that other edge. And I guess my main question around that is around Adam Elliott. Yeah. Um, I mean, I tend to think if Elliott's going to start, he'll, he'll be, it'll be at lock. Um, but I, I guess what we've seen from Sticky is that he's the, these guys he's picked up off the scrap heap. He's never really too quick to throw them straight no. into the, uh, into, into the starting squad. Like they're sort of going to, he makes them sort of earn that, that spot. First, yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, so. Particularly considering the size of the deal that he's on, and I mean, it's not like Adam Elliott's coming from the Melbourne Storm either. Like he's coming from the Bulldogs, who've been dead last or second last the last two or three years. So, you know, it's not like yeah, he's coming from a, a pedigree team and he's a state of origin player that's just had a bit of a you know pissed in the wood in the in his mouth of the trough type thing. Like that's not what he's he's you know a consistent troublemaker now, cheap deal, you know, one and done type of guy. So. Um, I mean, Harabir Naira, 51 break even, uh, not going anywhere near him. We were hoping he might be some value, but uh, well, obviously the tackle busting plus the the, the three-point increases in average plus the negative tackle bust, uh, you don't have any interest in him, do you? No, he's, he's one to uh, let float by. Yeah, I think the same appeals to Hudson Young, whether he's playing back row or at lock. And uh, same with Papali and Tarpany too, I guess. So, um, mate, the, the star of the show in the forward pack here for us is going to have to be uh, Tom Starling, who's more than likely going to come off the bench, but uh, he's their quote-unquote hooker, um, and he'll play 50 to 55 minutes in the hooker spot. And when he did that last year, he actually had uh, you know a 44 average or something like that, and he doesn't really do a lot of tackle busting. So, mate, have you got Starling in your plans at the moment or...? 
Yeah, I mean, it'll be wonder. It'll be wonder that's hard to pass up. But um, I, I just really want to see what his actual role is going to be. Like, if we get confirmation that he is going to play a lot more hooker minutes, because I just I've got so little faith in um in Sticky to give us consistency. Um, well, just have a look at what he did in the at the end of last season. So if you just jump, mm. pull up his his yeah, log in front from of me. last year. I've got it. In so front of me, towards yeah. the end of the year, it was pretty consistent from round seventeen onwards. There. Uh, and obviously, I think he picked up an injury in that round twenty-two game against the Storm and didn't come back the rest of the year. So, mm. yeah, uh, I mean, it's not a huge sample size of only five games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I've just got nightmares of. Uh, luckily, I didn't fall mm. into it, but like all those people that were buying him when he got the starting gig, uh, only to be benched yeah. again and only play twenty minutes. So I just get nightmares of that. Um, but I mean, mm. if we do, you know, get a, a solid run from him, because again, like he's only got to hold that spot for about say six weeks for him to to make his money. So I mean, if it looks like he's going to get that that role to start the year, he's definitely one you're going to have to consider. Um, yeah, there, there is a lot of value there. Uh, as long as he gets that 55 minutes consistently each week. And he's got the talent yeah. too. Like He's got the talent that's sticky. He's got really got to consider him. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, the thing is the Raiders have a quite good forward pack and they, they couldn't get it together for whatever reason last year. But, you know, this team, they've got, um, they got guys like Corey Horsburgh not even cracking the 17, and he really should be a an every week starter for any most other teams. So, It'll definitely, um, you know, they should be competitive this year. We've got them scraping into the eight uh, this year. Uh, but, I mean, they could do anything really. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love, to, I'd love to see them let go of Hodgson. But then, you know, they, they hooker depth is, is one injury away from missing the eight type of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I've got him in there at the moment only because this, the hooker position is just an absolute nightmare. Yeah, uh, but, uh, that is that is a, that is a position that's quite thin this year, isn't it? Especially in terms of uh, cheap guys. Like last year, I think we were a little bit blessed, um, you know, like with Jaden Braley, and I think there were a couple others. I can't remember now. The Tom Watson. Oh yeah, and two, people like Jake Turpin as well. Like we were a little bit yeah. um, blessed with these like mid-range cheapy hookers. Um, and this year, it's uh, yeah, it's yeah. going to be a little bit more Bleak. spare. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, that's where a guy like Kobe Hetherington, like we're talking about the minimum thresholds, like he might only have five points of value in him, but, you know, if he's going to play extra minutes the first couple of weeks and get a little bit of a roll on and he's your hooker cover, then, you know, maybe maybe he's worth a look or or you just, you know, you devote your, your money to that spot early or <laughs> you just go like, you know, waste a spot and get a Jake Granville or something like that in your emergencies to get you an, an emergency 20 points or something. I mean, ideally Aaron Booth wins that Gold Coast hooker job and that'll that'll solve a lot of problems. Yeah, we can, we can hope. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him. We'll get to him. So, uh, mate, I think that'll probably do us for this episode. Uh, obviously, we're just going to try to break it up, make it a little bit more uh, listenable-sized portions for you guys. So, that's the first two teams done, and we'll be back next episode with the Bulldogs and Sharkies. Thanks very much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Love you guys.